2020 began, nobody could have predicted what was about to happen. But here we are. Here we are in living rooms and in kitchens and patios and on hillsides and highways, all over Virginia, all over the United States and even the world. Here we are reaching more people than ever before, living out our purposes to know God and to discover purpose and to get real and to make a difference and to be the change. We're seeing old relationships deepen and new ones begin through online groups that pray and support and study and even sing together. We're seeing people engage and give and share like never before. We're helping people like never before. And we're seeing people connect with our church who have never gone to church before. We pushed hard to make online church an engaging, meaningful experience for families to connect with God and with each other. Nobody could have predicted a pandemic, but the power of God cannot be confined. So here we are. Your church is thriving, and we're still focused on the mission that God gave us 18 years ago to reach people who don't go to church so that we can all experience the fullest lives possible through Jesus Christ. So whether you're with us online today or in one of our physical locations, here we are together. Get ready to experience the presence of God. Get ready to worship like never before. Get ready because no matter what is going on in the world around us, we trust in the one who knew all along where we'd be right now. So come with us and let's turn our attention to him right now. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. We're so glad that you are with us today. I'm Beth Stoddard, and it is my pleasure to say welcome to church. We're going to start today with a brand new song, and it begins by talking about what we find in the scriptures in the book of John, where we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's our Jesus, and that's who are, we are here today to celebrate and to sing about because Jesus brings hope, and he brings life, and he brings everything we need to a broken world. So let's stand up together. Come on now. Here we go. Put your hands together as we sing and celebrate. Come on. First line, come all you weary. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink from the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. This is true right here, sing it. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live Jesus is waiting there with all 
done yet. giants fall You bring down the walls of Jericho You're the God who gives the miracle when we believe You're the God who parts the ocean wide to bring us closer to your side. You're the God who brings the dead to life, and we believe, oh, we believe. And you can proclaim it, God, how great. And God, how great you are, and great things you have done for everything we've seen. We 
you're confident in all your ways Cause we know you never make mistakes You fill us with a greater faith And we believe Oh, we believe And we sing to you God, how great you are the great things you have done for everything we've seen there is more to come every victory every battle won for everything we've seen there is more to come all of our hoping all of our trust in, all of our future in, the God who never fails. All of our faith in, all of our strength in, all of our future in, the God who never fails. All of our hope in, you can believe that, all of our trust in. All of our future, the God who never fails. All of our faith in, all of our strength in, all of our future. Our God, our God who never fails. All of our hope in, yeah. all of our trust in.
song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you
Well, hey, look, I, I too want to welcome you to church today, and I want to start by welcoming all of our campuses to our campus in Midlothian, uh, who's meeting in a hotel ballroom this morning, to our Amelia campus, who's joining us from the Parks and Rec building there in Amelia, to our Fork Union campus at Riverside. What's up, Buck Van? We're so glad that you're here. To our Varnville campus and to all our friends at Longwood University and Hampton, Sydney. Thanks for being here this morning. To our newest campus in Aylett who gets fired up, we want to hear from you guys out there. We're so glad that you're here. And to our Wisconsin affiliate in New Chester and all of the folks who are joining us online from all over the world, we are one church together today. And this Thursday, as you heard our host say, our folks in Nottaway, our guys there, we are thinking about you. We continue to pray that we'll see you soon in person. But either way, it's a great day to be in church. Now listen, most of us have heard some phrases in our lives, and you've probably heard this one before, even from this stage. Most of us have heard the phrase, there are two types of people in the world. And though I often have wondered at the frequency that we use that statement, are there really two types of people in the world? The answer is probably not. But I'm going to use it again here today, okay? Now, when it comes to building furniture at your house that you pick up, there are two types of people in the world. There are people who follow the directions. And then there are people who know what they're doing. Okay? So, recently I had to build a piece of furniture. I built this desk, and I did a pretty good job. What do you guys think? Does that look pretty good? Looks pretty good. I did what I normally do. I did what I normally do. I took a glance at the front picture, and I said, hey, I can pull that off, all my experience. So, uh, I got to work on this. And, hey, look, this is really awesome. This happened at the end. I had all these extra parts left over. Isn't that cool? Like now, I, hey, listen, guys out here, they know what I'm talking about. This is a maintenance program for this desk for years to come. I don't have to worry about this anymore. And it's really solid. I mean, it's got some little, it's a little gitchy, you know, but it's okay. You know, you got storage here and, you know, you pull this out and it's got a little, well, that doesn't, doesn't do so hot. But if you, if you just keep it in there, it's okay, you know. And one of the things that I noticed, uh, I can't quite get this thing to pull out. And when it does, it falls. But at the end of the day, nobody has keyboards anymore, so it doesn't matter. And I've had this hard time getting the, the door to unlock. And so what happens is I have to pull on it really hard. So I'm like trying to get it to unlock, and it won't come off. So here's the thing. We just don't need those parts. At the end of the day, just don't pay attention to these. This is still a really strong desk. Wouldn't you agree? Nice and solid. Now I got a place to store things. I don't have to worry about a door in between me and my stuff. I got my maintenance program that will help me fix this drawer, which I do need. And although it's funny, it's not at the same time, right? I had a plan, and I set out to accomplish what I needed to. I just didn't follow the plan that the manufacturer provided. By all accounts, the finished product looked the way that it should. However, it didn't function the way that it should, not all of it. It didn't reach the full complement of its capacity. But it's just a desk, right? What happens when we do the same thing with something far more consequential? Something like your life. Now, of course, our life doesn't come with a printed manual. Our parents didn't receive an instruction guide or 
a take-home bag at the hospital with all the instructions on our life, and it doesn't get sent to us like a warranty card, but we do have a plan for our life. The problem is, so often, we just don't follow it. And it can turn out a lot like this desk. It looks good. I mean, it's okay. And it works. Well, mostly. But it's never all that it could be. Hey, John, can you come get my awesome desk out of the stage? What if you could have these instructions in your hands? The instructions that hold a plan for you to reach the full potential of your journey. The plan to reach your horizon. As we've explored what it means to dream again in this series and dream big with God, to clear our horizons of the giants that block our paths and to strive towards the future without looking back, I want to tell you about someone who might have done all of those things. At least he thought he did. Here's how I imagine it might have happened. When Matt was born, it became evident quickly that he was an unusually exceptional student. He learned two additional languages, and he was a whiz at numbers and figures and a master of details. Now, most of his peers were hardworking folks, laborers and construction workers. Some were small business owners. Some worked in the food industry, but not Matt. He always felt like there was something more for him. Now, Matt's hometown, this large company, eventually came into town and set up shop, and this company was powerful, and although they brought most of their employees with them, they were looking for some exceptional local folks to be part of the team. And almost everybody in the town didn't like this. They didn't like the idea of the company barging into town and setting up shop. So Matt, though, on the other hand, he saw an opportunity. He saw big opportunities. He had what they were looking for, exactly what they were looking for. So he applied, and he was hired, and he joined their team. And Matt was driven and successful. He had already seen a path clear to his horizon, so he quickly moved up the ranks. That sounds like a dream come true. Hard work and planning and focus and relentlessness soon this made Matt possibly the most successful person in his hometown of all the folks who grew up there. Matt had a plan. He worked the plan. And he became wealthy. But for Matt, it never seemed like enough. Something was missing. There was something more that he wanted, something that seemed like a void in his life. He just couldn't put his finger on what that was. See, for all of his success, what he thought would make him happy wasn't enough. But by now, the company had great influence in town and great influence with the government and commerce. And folks were not happy about that. And they blamed Matt in part. So much like some hedge fund scheme millionaire, Matt was despised in his hometown. People refused to be seen with him or have him over to their houses or even have a meal with him or even go to church with him. Matt's ruthless drive for success started to leave him lonely in thinking about how he got there. 
All he had was his wealth and the thankless need of his employer and colleagues who were as hated as he was. But when he started, he had a plan, his plan. And it seemed like there was a lot in his life that he had, but now this was his lot in life. If his story ended there, this would be a lesson for us all, a cautionary tale about how greed and avarice leads you to a place that you can't get out of. But it's more than that. Because Matt did eventually connect with what was missing in his life. He found his true horizon. And he found a new plan and one that was not solely based on the things that he needed or wanted or around a what, but a who. Jesus. You may know someone like Matt. I could have easily put my name in there. It sounds a lot like my story. Someone who set out with the best intentions on a successful plan for their life and it didn't end the way that they thought it would. Matt's story is a true story. It's a true story told in the Bible. See, his real name is actually Matthew, and although sometimes the Bible calls him Levi, uh, with some embellishment here and a lot of imagination, I've modernized the story of one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Jesus is the person that Matthew talks about in his book of the Bible, and, this, and that book is accredited to him. See, Matthew was a tax collector for the invading Roman armies, and although Matthew was Jewish, he decided that his best option was to use his skills for self-promotion. And he wasn't only unpopular, he was hated. But on the outside, it looked like he had it all together. And we can assume that every day he got up and he went to his post to collect taxes, but that there was an overwhelming sense of emptiness in it well how do we know well because God literally walked into Matthew's life look at what it says here once again Jesus went out beside the lake and a large crowd came to him and he began to teach them and as he walked along he saw Levi that's that's Matthew son of Alphaeus sitting at the tax collector's booth follow me Jesus told him and Levi got up and followed him Man, I got to tell you, I love the gospel of Mark because it gets to the point. Levi got up, followed him, period. No details, no packing a bag, no nothing. See, Matthew quickly moved. He was on purpose. He was ready to leave behind what he knew because he had the same desire that I believe every person on earth has, whether they know it or not. Matthew desperately wanted to know God. Matthew desperately wanted to know God. Now, I can't fully express in, the wor in words the kind of desire I'm talking about here. And you may not be convinced in this world today that every single person on earth wants to know God. Many of them can't even express it. But we still look to the skies, don't we? And wonder, is there something bigger than me out there? We still seek answers to mysteries and the unexplainable. As humans, we look at the natural world around us and we're so far removed from everything else. We don't look like anything else that we have to consider the possibility 
that we're connected to something greater, that we're created in the image of something bigger than us. Humans have never not wanted to connect with something greater than humanity itself. So no matter how someone would word it or how you would word it, it exists in our very being to know God. Now, if the phrase know God sounds familiar to some of you here, it's the first purpose of our five purposes here at PCC. We believe that these five purposes are the plan for us all to live the fullest life possible in Jesus. And a commitment to know him is where it starts. For Matthew, his commitment required an investment in study and a willingness to place God and Jesus at the center of his life. Matthew committed every minute of every day, 52 weeks a year, to walk with Jesus. At PCC, you've heard us say today that we offer a 52-week challenge, not just to come to church or to attend, but to plant yourselves here, committed as students of Jesus Christ, growing closer and trying to know God better. And as we strive to know God, our commitment to you as the church is to expose the truth by teaching unapologetically the truth from the Bible and to help you engage in worship and connection here during our services and our teaching team. We're here to teach truth from the Bible that has transformation in mind, not just information. That transformation is meant to carry you every day of every week, not just Sunday. But it starts here. As Matthew grew closer to Jesus, he started to have experiences there. And because of those experiences, we get to learn from Matthew and his account of Jesus' life. So here's the thing. Commit yourself to come to church. It's more than just an hour a week. It's the beginning of a life journey every hour of the day. Now, although the details of Matthew's life are few in the Bible, uh, we can make some connections here with the fact that he was called with a group of disciples. And I want to look at Luke's account of the disciples' purpose. This is what Luke says as Jesus uh, talked to his disciples. He said, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news of Jesus and healing people everywhere. Just put yourself in Matthew's place for a moment. See, he thought the path for his career, the one that he had chosen, was all about numbers and details and accounting, and collecting. Instead, he'll drive out demons, and cure diseases, and bring healing. It's safe to say that Miracles 101 was probably not part of his course study as he grew up. And I believe some of us can relate to that. We've acquired skills and education and experience, but maybe life has gone in a different direction. Or maybe it's gone exactly where we expected, but instead of finding purpose in all of it, we find ourselves going through our routine and being happy and still wondering if this is all that there is. 
So like Matthew and the disciples, our relationship with Jesus, our commitment to that relationship will always lead us to a next step. And the next step that we need to take is this. We need to discover our purpose. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Our purpose and our gifts are not exactly the same as every other person's around us, but everyone has a gift. And you can find out about that gift and how God might use it by going through what we call the growth track here at PCC. The growth track is a system where you can discover your purpose. Now here's the thing, up until a few months ago, most of our lives were lived in fast forward all the time. And then we hit this pandemic. And it seemed like the world stood still, but as we start to regain some of what we had and start to build into this new normalcy, we're starting to ramp back up, aren't we? So as you prioritize your time now, why not invest if you haven't been through the growth track in four classes that will give you the time to really figure this out? And later today, I'm gonna tell you how you can do that if you haven't already done it. The next thing that we can learn from these disciples and Jesus' plan for them was that he chose them and meant them to do life together. They're honestly a great model for community. Let me show you what I mean. Throughout the Bible, Jesus puts the disciples in a few situations where they are apart from him. And Matthew describes one of those situations in the 14th chapter where he says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind that was against it. This moment in the Bible, this is my absolute favorite. Just a couple of short verses. Because in this boat, I can actually see it and hear it. I can almost feel the gravity of the situation there. It's my favorite also because Jesus didn't send them in 12 boats. He sent them in one. And Jesus didn't ask a few to stay behind and help him dismiss the crowd. He sent them all together. He made sure that they had each other. So in that boat that night, and many others like it, the disciples could care and support each other. They had somebody to encourage them and someone to row a little bit harder when another got tired, someone to remind them that they could trust in God when their faith might be failing. Look, you can, you can come to church. You can plant yourself here. You can come every week, but real church happens when we get real. Real church happens when we get real. And the way that we do that at PCC is in small groups. 
Small groups are where we can know and be known, serve and be served, love and be loved, celebrate and be celebrated. This small group of people, these disciples, they were designed to do life together, and I believe we all are too. Because when I'm living and loving and caring with the people who I call my small group, I often think about this scripture that we just talked about. See, you have to find some people who you can get real with, who can see you without the mask on, people who will encourage you when you're tired and afraid and ready to give up, people who will stick with you during the storm and see you through to the other side. Real church happens in small groups, challenging each other and supporting each other as they grow closer to God. And when that happens, God reveals something to us. It's something that he afforded the opportunity to the disciples with, and it's something that he gives us as well. He gives us a chance to make a difference. See, in the ministry of Jesus, everyone played a part, and nothing happened in that ministry that wasn't important. See, Matthew and the other disciples, they had practical hands-on experience in ministry. There's this moment in the Bible uh, that happens a couple of times, but in this particular case, it's a miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people. And Matthew says that when the people arrived, when Jesus arrived by boat, that people had been following him along the shore, watching the boat, leaving towns, moving city to city. And Matthew then describes this exchange between Jesus and the disciples in the 14th chapter where Matthew says this, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Jesus gives the disciples an assignment, an important task, to feed the people physically. Here's what's important, though. They were willing to do it. Jesus knew he could feed the people, but he wanted to make sure that his disciples played a part in this miracle. In the same way, we're all given that opportunity here at our church. We have six physical campuses and a vast online campus, and although I would unabashedly tell you that Jesus could pull all of this off on his own, that was not his plan. You are. So there's a position and a place and a role for you to use your gifts to serve in this church and at any campus that you choose. Church doesn't happen without our dream team. These adults and students who decide that what happens in the halls of our physical campuses, what happens in the atriums, what happens in kids' ministry, what happens from the parking lot to the seats, what happens on the stage, what happens behind the scenes, what happens in the chat room is utterly important and life-changing. Their focus on serving others means that they are directly serving God. Just like Matthew and the disciples When we give what we have, Jesus takes it, and he takes it to a whole new level. Miracles happen, and change occurs, and people come home. What happens on Sunday at our campuses, and on Thursday at Nottaway, and throughout the week on our online broadcast is is amazing. 
and there's room there for you. Reach out and find a place. Jesus called Matthew and his peers. He had a plan for them. He invested in them because they wanted to know him and be in relationship. They wanted to discover their purpose. He put them in community together so they could do life together. He showed them what it would take to make a difference in this movement. And then he challenged them with these words. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. See, if we believe, if we are willing to follow the plan, the fullest life possible means that we get a chance to be the change in the world. The disciples had seen Jesus change lives. Heal, reach people who were unreachable, draw close to the untouchable, have conversations with the unredeemable, go to places others wouldn't go. And Matthew was like most of us at the beginning. He was going through life and he had a plan. In some ways it was working, but something was missing. He took a step. and Jesus led him on a new path. Showed him a new way. And then enlisted him to change the world. Look, you can change the world too. So why wait another week, another year to find out what a real relationship with Jesus looks like and how that relationship can bring the kingdom of heaven to earth? So this plan is not about jobs that need to be done in our church. It's not about checking a box or getting a certificate, completing a tax. It's not because your friend invited you to come. It's about growing closer to God. Because what we invest in is what is important to us. It may sound simple, almost elementary, but these purposes are the plan. The plan that puts Jesus at the center of your life. Because you have to ask, where is he now? Does he slide up and down your list of priorities, the one that's always being challenged? Maybe you're here today, maybe you're joining us from somewhere and you don't have a relationship with Jesus right now and you're wondering what that real relationship could look like. You, you know about him, but you don't really know him. You're here. Take a step. Come to church, ask your questions and get to know the God who loved you enough to sacrifice it all. See, we're all on a journey and it's just that, a journey. But journeys require action and forward motion. While not everyone's will look the same, it all consists of next steps. One by one, moving towards whatever God is revealing to you as he's working in your life. These purposes will help guide you. But it's up to you to start moving. As we wrap up this series, I'm gonna say this. No one, no one knows what the horizon of your life looks like but I do know this. The horizon that's in front of you, the future that is there for you is so much better than anything you can imagine when you put Jesus at the center of your life.
Jesus being the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Nothing Listen, today we're all on a journey. 
You may have heard these purposes before. You may be somewhere on your journey in some place that we've talked about today. Or you could be here for the first time or reaching out and trying to figure out what that relationship with Jesus looks like. We want to help guide you through that. We want to be here for you. So you can sign up for Grow Track that starts next Wednesday, the 15th, a week out. Give you some time to be part of that. It's online, so you can do that from the comfort of your home. But I've been prayerfully thinking all week that somebody would be listening today who's going to take the first step in their journey. The step that says, I want to know Jesus. So today, as I pray for you, I'm going to pray for them and that God continues to move in their life and that we can be the church of God. We want you to be the center of everything, the center of our lives and the center of our church. Would you pray with me? Hey, God, we're here today. And so thankful, Lord, that you are the center of, the, of our lives, the center of everything. So God, with our hearts poured out to you, wherever we are on our journey, God, just help us to take, guide us to the next step, just the next thing, and that'll lead to another step. God, give us the faith of Matthew. God, for the person who's here today who's wondering, are you real? Can I have a relationship with Jesus? Is all of this what it's cracked up to be? God, I'm praying, Lord, that today they'll make that decision and that we can be their church. We love you, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a good week.